Welcome back once again to Search the Scriptures. So great to be back with all of our listeners today. We're so thankful to have this opportunity once again to gather here together and open up God's Word and dig deep into those rich teachings and truths. We're so thankful that so many are out there who want to learn more about the Bible, want to more learn more from God's Word. And we're thankful that we've heard from many of our listeners by various means, meeting many of them in person who are in the Omaha area as they come by to kind of check us out. We appreciate that, and we appreciate the opportunity to meet them face to face. But we also are thankful to be able to hear from others who may give us telephone calls or send us emails uh, or communicate to us in whatever way they do to let us know that they're listening and that they appreciate what they have been learning. We want to try to help people come closer to God. And the way that we can do that, the best way that we can do that, the most effective way, is to teach God's Word accurately and effectively. We try to get into the Scriptures and dig deep. We try to teach it in detail and in depth. And yet we try to get across those teachings in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for your everyday life. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Now, those who are regular listeners, you may be able to quote that verse by memory now. You may have been able to quote it for, by memory for many, many months or even some years because we keep emphasizing it. But it's important that we keep emphasizing it because people need to understand how faith develops within them, how their faith can become stronger. They've got to get into God's word. They've got to come to, to learn it and believe it, understand it, make the proper applications to their lives. We try to help along those lines. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. But you see, in order for us to repent, we need to understand what God's will is. Because it is violation of his will, that's what sin is all about. That's what unfaithfulness is about in order for us to know what we have messed up on, so to speak. So God wants us to be obedient. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, we have to know what he expects of us to know what he expects us to obey. And that's where getting into God's word is so essential, teaching it studying it, learning it, making the proper applications. So that's what we're about largely here on Search the Scriptures. If you're listening for the first time, we're thankful you're there. And we also pray that you will become quickly aware that we don't just talk about the Bible, we teach the Bible. And we're not just going to give you a lot of neat-sounding stories, we're going to help you learn God's word. We want to help you come close to God. We want to help you be saved. And as you learn and your faith develops, our prayer is that you'll make up your mind to obey him, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ openly, and surrendering to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross so long ago is still 100% effective to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins today.
and how blessed we are to be able to know that our sins have been forgiven as we were buried with Christ in baptism. Don't carry that guilt anymore. We want to help you get to that point. Well, we're going to continue in our study. We've been looking at this for a number of programs now. We're talking about dedication to God. But specifically, we're not talking about just claiming that we're dedicated or thinking that we're dedicated or feeling that we're dedicated. But specifically, what we're dealing with here and talking about and studying is how we should be dedicated. We keep emphasizing how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. A lot of people claim to be dedicated to God, and they don't live a life of dedication. They don't even live a life of faith in God in many cases. But a lot of people claim to be dedicated, and they go through some actions and steps, and, and, and they, they do some things that they believe demonstrates their dedication to God. And yet, they're not following God's teachings as to what real dedication is. Let me read to you something from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, early in his ministry, and he, writes, he says these words, he's teaching us here in Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, did you get that? Jesus says, not everyone who calls him Lord, not everyone who believes in him is going to be in heaven, but only those who do the will of God in heaven. He goes on and says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done, it, done many wonders in your name? Well, on the surface level, that sounds like dedication. But the next verse, Jesus goes on and says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Wow. He's saying this to people who call him Lord. They believe in him. He's saying this to people who not only call him Lord, but who say they have prophesied in his name and cast out demons in his name and done many wonders in his name. That's what he says. He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Well, why can he say that to such people? People who call him Lord, who believe in him and claim to have done all of these, what would seem to be good things, good works in his name. It goes back to the end of verse 21. Obviously, they have not done the will of the Father. They have done some things that seem like dedication to them. Maybe they have done some things that should be dedication, but they haven't done them in the ways that God has instructed them to do. You see, we want to do things our way. We want to be dedicated according to our will and not necessarily submit to God's will as to what dedication is. So he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Not those who feel good about what they've done, but haven't conformed to the will of God as to what they have done and the way they should do it, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven, Jesus says. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. Now we saw that how we dedicate ourselves to God is important in what we believe. Now a technical term that we can use there is in doctrinal matters. Doctrine simply means teaching. And so in what we believe and what we teach and what we practice, how we are dedicated to God matters. It's important. We need to believe the right things. We need to teach correct doctrine. We need to practice the true teachings of God in Christ. In our last program, we saw that how we are dedicated to God is important when it comes to how we obey God's teachings, particularly in how we obey the gospel plan of salvation. And so we saw that we must believe in Jesus, and we saw that we must repent of our sins, and we saw that we must surrender to our Lord in baptism, and that is a complete burial in the water, a submersion, if you would. That's what the word means, immerse, bury, plunge, dip, submerge. Anything else is not true baptism. And for the purpose of having our sins washed away by the blood of Christ that he shed on the cross, and at which point we come into Christ, wherein is salvation, and salvation is in no one other. Now, we need to not just do something that we call a conversion experience, or as some people say, getting saved, but we must do what God's word teaches in order to be forgiven and be saved. How we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We can't make it up. We can't just depend on what our feelings dictate to us. And we can't just follow what some church or religious group tells us. We have to make sure that we're following what the scriptures tell us. That's God's word. That's God's word. How we dedicate ourselves to God is also important when it comes to how we worship God. Now again, a lot of people, they really don't pay much attention to this particular point. They would think, well, what difference does it make how we worship God as long as we're worshiping God, quote unquote, from our heart, as long as we're sincere? Well, look at what Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verses 23 and 24, and again, these are words of Jesus. The hour is coming and now is when true worshipers, true worshipers? Well, that would intimate necessarily that there are some who are not true worshipers or some who could be untrue worshipers. 
The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now don't miss that word truth there. For the, hour, for, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth, Jesus says. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Wow. So there is a standard that we need to meet in order to be worshiping God in truth? Well, that's what Jesus says. So we need to study the scriptures to know what God expects of us and what Jesus teaches us in order to be worshiping in spirit and truth. Now, some people would take the spirit part and they'd just kind of minimize the truth part. And they'd really, and not when they're talking about spirit, they're really focusing more on emotions and feelings and what feels good to him and what pumps them up. But they're not paying much attention to the truth part. God wants us to worship him in truth as well as from the emotional perspective and in spirit with all of our soul. Remember that Jesus said we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, all of our strength. Matthew chapter 22. Well, God places emphasis on truth. Remember that when Jesus was teaching in John chapter 8 and verse 32, he said you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And when he prayed to the Father in the night of his betrayal, in John chapter 17, in verse 17, he said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Now, I know that a lot of people find that too restrictive for them. They simply want to do what feels good to them. And they minimize the importance of making sure that what they do in following God and what they do in worshiping God conforms to the truth of what God's word says and teaches. Well, let's look at the Lord's Supper. In Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 26, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, he instituted what we practice today as the Lord's Supper. Many people call this communion. Jesus, the account goes as follows. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, the apostles, and said, take, eat, this is my body. Now this bread would have been unleavened bread. bread because this was being instituted after they had partaken of the Passover meal. And the Jews would only eat unleavened bread during Passover. So this would have been unleavened bread. He broke it, and he gave it to them, and said, take, eat, this is my body. All right, This represents my body 
broken for them. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now this fruit of the vine would have been the juice of the grape. And so he gives it to them, and of course when we look at that juice, it looks, it has the appearance of blood. So he's giving them two elements that represent what's going to happen on the cross the very next day to him. He's going to be put on that cross, and as they drive those nails through his hands and his feet, his body is going to be broken into. No bones are going to be broken, but the nails are going to go through his hands and through his feet, and later when the spear is going to be rammed into his side. He's already going to be dead by that time, physically, but they're still going to run that spear into his side to make sure that he's dead. His body again would be broken into. So as they partake of this unleavened bread, as, they, as it's broken, as they partake of it, it represents his body that would be broken on the cross. As we partake of it, it represents his body that was broken on the cross. And as they drink that cup, the fruit of the vine, they're partaking of the representation of the blood of our Lord that was shed on that cross. As those nails drove through his hands and his spears and his feet, the blood naturally came from those wounds. And as that spear was jammed into his side, the scriptures tell us that blood and water came forth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23, the Apostle Paul talks to us about the Lord's Supper. And he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Well, he's referring back to what we just read in Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 29. Paul goes on and he says, When he had given thanks, he broke it, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now again, broken into, but no bones were broken in fulfillment of the prophecy that none of his bones would be broken. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The blood shed on the cross, we remember through the cup, the fruit of the vine, as we partake of the supper. And in the Lord's Supper, Paul tells us that we're memorializing the death of Christ on that cross. But notice that last verse, verse 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So we're not only memorializing the death of Christ as we partake of the Lord's Supper, but we're also announcing to the world the assurance that he's coming back. He's coming again. We need to partake of the Lord's Supper, 
understanding what we're doing and with the proper reverence. When we go on in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, begin reading with verse 27, Paul goes on and he says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So we need to make sure that we partake of it in a proper manner, understanding what we're doing and showing the proper reverence in partaking of that supper. And we also need to understand that we can't just make up on our own when or how often we should partake of the Lord's Supper. That's exactly what most denominations do. They decide when they're going to partake of it and how often. But when we read the example given to us in Scripture, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, it says, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, that's a reference to partaking of the Lord's Supper, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Now that verse tells us when we should partake of the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection of our Lord from the grave. And it also tells us how often we should partake of the Lord's Supper. On the first day of the week. It doesn't prescribe a particular week or a particular first day of a particular month. It just says on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, to partake of the Lord's Supper. That's our divinely given example of the New Testament church given to us in Scripture. Every week has a first day. That's when we should partake of the Lord's Supper. And it's interesting that every denominational group that decides that, well, you know, we only have to partake of the Lord's Supper once every quarter or once every six months or once a year or however they decide that when they need to partake of it. They sure pass the collection basket around every first day of the week, don't they? <laughs> Do you know the same language is used for the offering as is given to us in reference to partaking of the Lord's Supper. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let every one of you lay something aside. Wow. Now they got that one, didn't they? They take up an offering every first day, but they decide you know, I don't think we need to partake of the Lord's Supper every first day, but the language is the same. We simply need to do it God's way. The point that we're making in this particular study is how we dedicate ourselves to God is important. We're going to stop here for right now. We'll come back and look at some other aspects of our worship, beginning with our next program. 
be sure to tune in. If you'd like a copy of today's program, you can receive it for free on CD. You can also receive a free Bible study through the mail. We'll tell you how to contact us in just a moment. Write down that information and then contact us. We hope to hear from you right away.